We've been doing a whole series on, on running our race. And what I want to talk about this morning is how, how Jesus ran his best race for us. So we've been looking a lot at Hebrews 12. So kind of like, like sucking this scripture dry in one sense. But, but there's so much great stuff in there that we're drawing out of this. Okay, so we're going to look at this again. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. The writer of Hebrews says this. Theref- All the scriptures will be on screen. There you go. Therefore, since we are surrendered by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we've been talking a whole number of weeks. I can't remember what week we're on now. Week nine, I think. Um, a whole number of weeks we talk about running our race and how, how God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and God wants us to run that race well. And that's, what, that's kind of our church, you know, our church vision um, for the year um, that was kind of laid out at the end of, the, the end of January, is uh, for this to be our best lap yet. This to be our best lap yet for God. Whatever's gone before, whether it's been good, bad, summer in, or ugly. <laughs> good, the bad, and the ugly. It's good moving. Anyway, whether it's been good, bad, um, or ugly, or somewhere in between, whatever it's looked like in our past, you know, that's, that, that's done, that, that, that's dealt with. And if stuff that we need to be forgiven from, then we just need to confess that and God will forgive that. So, but that's, that's done and dusted. Amen. But it's all about what happens now. Now, what we can always do is make choices uh, about our future, what our present looks like, and what our future looks like. Amen. And God wants us to run our race well. So that's, that's our, our church vision for the year, to, for this to be our best lap yet for God. Amen. So we're talking a lot about that, throwing off everything that hinders, the sin that entangles, and running, running with perseverance. But I want to particularly focus on verse 2 today, with this, with this being Easter. And, this is, and of course, we can, any Sunday, we absolutely do, we focus on Jesus. It should always be about Jesus. Absolutely, amen. Jesus is the head of the, me and Wendy aren't the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, right? That's, that's, that's reality. You know, everything should always be about Jesus. Every song's about Jesus. Everything's about glorifying Jesus. Everything's about worshiping Jesus. Everything's about understanding our access to the Father that we have through Jesus. And we've been singing this morning, he's the way, the truth, and the life, as Wendy said, about you know, we're in a world where what people are all often saying, oh, this is my truth, and this is my truth, and they've got their truth over there. And Jesus didn't say, well, I've got my truth. He said, I am the truth. That's, that's a big difference. He wasn't declaring his like, personal truth or his own kind of personal revelation, like people like to share all over social, on social media. You see, this, you see this literally everywhere. People are sharing what their truth, what their version of events are, what, what's, what's important to them. But what Jesus didn't say is, this is my truth. He said, I am the truth you want to find truth, if you want to find life, if you want to find the way, the way in life, the way that makes sense, he said, you're only going to find it through me. There's, there's no, people, people look in different directions, but they, they aren't going to find it. <laughs> so Jesus was kind of, just as being to the point and being kind of, kind of uh, you know, simple to the point, you know, you can go off in other directions, but, but Jesus just being blunt, just, you know, you can look in those ways, but the only way you're going to find it is in me. You can kind of look for other ways, but the only way you're going to find the way the way to God is through me. The only way you, people got the rather truths or versions of truth, but Jesus knows I, I am the truth. I am the absolute truth, the truth before the, before the dawn of time itself. And, you know, in this world where so many people are looking for life and they're looking for pleasures and they're looking for what, what is this world all about? Why am I here? What is, what, is, what is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? The only way you place you're actually going to find life is in Jesus. And many people will look here, there, and everywhere, but the only way you're truly going to find life and what life is truly all about it's, it's, it's through Jesus. Amen? Praise God. So Hebrews 12 verse 2. So Jesus also ran a race. So we're called to run our best race and to run the race of perseverance. But verse 2, 
For the joy set before him, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? That Jesus, for the joy set before him. We'll talk more about what the joy was uh, later uh, in the sermon. So we're going to watch a, we're going to watch a video uh, now. This is called the Visual Bible Book of Matthew. And this is, so this is from the point of view of Matthew, kind of looking back um, Looking back at the life of Jesus and what was written down, he wrote down. Matthew, of course, was one of the disciples, also called Levi. He was one of the disciples, of course, and wrote the book of Matthew, including the name. One of the, one of the Gospels and the longest, the longest and probably more de- most detailed of the Gospels. Um, very, very similar to Mark. Mark was probably used as a source. Mark and Matthew, Mark shorter, but Mark, I don't mean as a person. <laughs> he, might, <laughs> he might be, I don't know. But Mark, the book, is shorter. There's only 16 chapters rather than 28 in Matthew. Okay, it's a lot shorter, but almost everything that's in Mark is in Matthew. Luke's quite different. Luke was written by a doctor. He's not one of the disciples. He's, got, he's just got con, kind of compiled eyewitness accounts. Um, being a doctor, he, he loved all the miracles. So there's more miracles written in Luke than far more miracles written in Luke than the other, the other Gospels. You know, things like Lazarus raised from the dead is only in Luke and things like that. And then John is written, John, who was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. Well, John kept saying he was the closest disciple to Jesus. But that, but that was his thought and also Jesus' thought. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, Peter, James, and John were the three closest to Jesus. But John often said he was the one that was loved the most. Anyway, that's what he said. So, but John is written in a very, very different, different style. It's a very, very different style. It's kind of Matthew, Mark, Luke. And it's all about revealing just who, who, Jesus, who Jesus is. Right, anyway, so we're going to look at this video. This is, a, this is a dramatization from Matthew. It's kind of word for word from the NIV, Matthew, from chapter 27. And just talk about what Jesus has, has done for us. I mean, this is about 10 minutes. Thank you. Okay, so that's all from, straight from the book of, book of Matthew about what, what happened. So, you know, this is a reality of what Jesus, Jesus did for us and the price that, he, the price that he, he paid for us. Now, there can be, before I kind of continue with the message, there can be a bit of confusion sometimes with the way the world understands this, or where people get confused about this. You know, Jesus, Jesus was not murdered. Okay? It's really important to say that. This was all part of God's, God's plan. Jesus was not a martyr. It was not everything that had horribly gone, gone wrong. It's like, oh no, Jesus' ministry is now over. He's now ended up dead. This was all part of God's plan. This was, this was his, his actual destiny. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus knew this right from when he was young, what his destiny, what his destiny was, who, who, who he was as, as a son of God. Mary, his mother, had known that right from when Jesus, Jesus was born. And the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary, explained who Jesus was going to be. And maybe she didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. But it's, even, even at that stage, the angel Gabriel said, you know, your, your, your own heart is going to be pierced. Your soul is going to be pierced. Um, you know, you're going to have to watch, basically you're going to have to watch your son die. Well, she didn't know the reality of what that was going to look like at the time. But Jesus wasn't murdered. Okay? He wasn't executed. He, wasn't, he, wasn't, he was executed, sorry. But he wasn't martyred. Okay, it's really important to, to say that this was all, this was all God's, God's plan before the dawn of time itself. You know, so this is the reality of, of the cross and what, what Jesus has done, done for us. Matthew, who wrote all this, was, was an eyewitness and, and watched it happen. You know, it's quite, it's quite an ugly scene, isn't it? That's, that's the reality. It's quite an ugly scene that was going on. And Israel, of course, was under the Roman Empire, as most of Europe was at the time, and, and Israel uh, was under the Roman Empire at the time. And... And the, the, the Jewish form of executing people was to stone them, was to throw stones and rocks at them. And you see that in the Old Testament sometimes. And, but as they're under the Roman Empire at the time, um, that's why they had to go and see Pilate, who was the, who was the governor of that, of that uh, area. And Pilate had the authority to release Jesus. Um, now you can, 
make different <laughs> arguments about whether Pilate, whether that was an example of good leadership, because Pilate knew full well he was innocent. I mean, that's clear, isn't it? Pilate knew full well he was innocent, but anyway, because he was just worried about the crowd or a riot or probably losing his own job if there was a riot, then Caesar would be <laughs> booting him out. Um, and it's kind of the way the Roman Empire worked. So Pilate was more worried about his own job about than killing an innocent man. But of course, it was all God, part of God's plan anyway. And the Romans, they'd come up with their form of execution was to do it on a cross, the worst like, possible way that you could die, the most painful and the most drawn out way that you could possibly execute someone. So that's, that's the reality of what was going on here. You know, so it's quite an ugly scene. You kind of can look at different aspects of it and, and the crown of thorns and the crown of thorns they pressed into Jesus' head and, you know, it's ugly kind of looking, just horrible to the, the whole injustice of it all, of knowing he was is innocent and, as I said, Pilate knew full well uh, that he was, he was innocent. You know, and it all, he kind of got the abandoning of his closest friends and the disciples who'd all kind of, you know, legged it when Jesus was arrested. Obviously, some were witnesses, like Matthew, but many of his disciples had, had kind of run away, including Peter, who promised he'd never deny him, and he'd run off. And, um, you know, this is all the stuff that's going on. This is all the stuff that's in the mix of all this. And the accusations, you know, the very religious leaders, who sh- the Jewish religious leaders should have known who Jesus was, and some of them did get who Jesus was, um, like Nicodemus, for example, it talks about in the book of John, you can read about Nicodemus. So some of the religious leaders, they did get who Jesus was, they had a revelation of it, but many of them didn't, and they wanted him dead. It was out of jealousy. Even Caesar, uh, not Caesar, even Pilate realized that, as we just heard. Pilate knew it was out of envy, they wanted him dead. But there's all the accusations about, you know, get down the cross, and, uh, you know, why are you letting this, why you let this happen? You know, it happened even when Jesus was arrested, and Jesus said to his disciples, he said, don't you think I can call 10,000 legions of angels, and they can come and rescue me? This is, this is God's plan. You know, there was spitting on Jesus, there was hitting and beating, there, 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 was, there was flogging, and the Romans were well known for, their, for flogging when they'd whip. People often died during the flogging. It was so gruesome um, that people often died before they even got, got to the execution stage, before they even got to the cross it was so brutal you know there's a kind of all the pain and the anguish you know in the mix of it all and, and his mother mary kind of watching that the whole the whole scene and jesus jesus carrying carrying the cross and, and the burden of of carrying the cross and then a guy simon from siren helps out with that then the nails being being driven in and then that, all the hate and the anger there was towards jesus when he, he was there dying for his sins you know jesus himself said on the cross didn't he for, forgive them for they do not know what they're even doing all the hate and the anger there was towards Jesus, just the sheer you know, physical and emotional agony of it all. And, and as well as all of that, you've got the, the kind of the, the pain and the responsibility of bearing the sin of the world. You now, Jesus, Jesus, we heard that Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani, which in Aramaic, which, is, which in English is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was pointing to, if you know your scripture, he was pointing to Psalm 27 which starts with, it's one of the Psalms of David, which says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And basically the whole thing is prophetic about the cross. The whole thing it talks about his clothes being torn up. It talks about him being, uh, kind of dying in the process. So read, read Psalm 27. It's amazing when you read that. So Jesus was referencing that. So that's the first line of Psalm 27. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it was, you know, it was an ugly scene and a horrible scene and it would have been a horrible thing to watch and it's hard to watch that and you know, that's nothing like as graphic as the reality would be. They could have kind of like a PG, maybe 12 rated version of it, right? Because it would have been gruesome. But this has all been done for a reason. Amen? You know, what, what's, what, what I was thinking is incredible about what Jesus did here is the whole scene is so ugly but what he was doing was something beautiful. 
He was doing something beautiful in this whole, in this whole process, through every, everything that was going on, through every accusation, through every hitting and beating, every flogging, or, or the agony of it all. He was doing something incredible. In the ugliness of it, of it all, he was doing something incredible and beautiful on, on our behalf. You know, I kind of think about these things. What are those watching? What do they think about what they were witnessing? I don't know if they got the historic significance of it. We do get one centurion, and he, he says that surely this man was, was, was the son of God. They must be thinking, why is, why is the earth, why is the you know, sun gone dark? And, you know, what were people thinking about all this? Just something to think about. You know, but as Jesus was being beaten and, and accused and, and, and sacrificed and, and crucified, you know, the reality was Jesus was running his best race for us. He was doing it for you, and he was doing it for me. Now, the God's ultimate plan of human salvation was unfolding. All that had gone on throughout the Old Testament was all pointing towards, towards this time. Amen? This was the very fulfillment of, you know, the whole sacrificial system and all that the Jews, Jews had uh, been instructed to do it was all pointing to this one-time sacrifice. That person who was a Jew and wasn't and was the Messiah, their Savior, or the Christ, which is just Greek for Messiah. Their Christ, the Messiah, was going to deal with this once and for all. Was going to pay the price for sin and deal with it once and for all. Now, animals, it can only be a temporary, it can only be a temporary thing, but it needs a once-for-all sacrifice. Now the Bible says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to, to, to deal with sin. I mean, once and for all, it has to be a, has to be a you know, full one-time sacrifice. Amen. Praise God. So that's what Jesus did for us, and that's worth being thankful for. Amen. So God's ultimate plan of human salvation was unfolding here. Jesus was running his best race for us. So, there's so many things you could say about Jesus because it, it's just so incredible in so many ways. But, but I love the way he just stays so focused on stuff about running his best race. He wasn't distracted. He didn't let the accusations distract him. He could have called 10,000 legions of angels. He could have got off the cross. He could have made the people look like fools, the people who were making fun of him. But he stayed totally focused on that race that he had. Well, this, is, this is my destiny. This is my purpose. This, this, is, this is the plan. And I love that. John 19, verse 28 to 30. So John, of course, another, another eyewitness, another disciple. He says, it's later knowing that everything had now now being finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge in a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Matthew doesn't mention it. He just says he cried out in a loud voice. So obviously, sometimes they just wrote down different bits. They focused on different things. So Matthew, as we saw there, said he cried out in a loud voice. But, but John is kind of more specific. What he said at that point was, it is finished. It is done. It is over. It is complete. You know, Jesus is, of course, there's still the resurrection to come. Absolutely. Of course. And that's where the power of sin and death is beaten once and for all. Okay, so we are focused on the resurrection as well. Okay, but at, at that point, his race was done. His race was over. What he'd been accomplished to do, to deal with, with sin and, and that barrier between us and God was over. It was done. It was finished. Okay, that was the significance. Jesus was not saying, I'm finished. He's saying, it is finished. The old covenant is done. Remember, Jesus said, I, don't, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. The old law had been, had been fulfilled, that law that we could never possibly meet in our, in our own strength. We could never possibly meet God's standards. But Jesus said, no, I've, come to, I've not come to abolish that, but to fulfill it once and for all. Amen? So everything in Jesus' life and ministry had led to that point. Salvation had been won and the price had been paid. Amen? That's what the Bible says. It says, oh, we have been bought 
at a price. There was a divine exchange taking place there where Jesus was giving his life for our life. And he's saying, this is, this is the price, this is how much I value you. If you ever wonder about how much you, you are valued to God, if you're, maybe you don't, maybe you've got, you know, struggle with self-esteem and, and or kind of think, oh, how could God ever accept me? Well, the reality is Jesus gave his life for you. That's how much he values you. That's how much he loves you. He couldn't pay any more. He couldn't have done any more. He gave of him very, his very self. That's, that's how much he values you. And that's how much he loves you. So Hebrews 12 verse 2, we looked at earlier. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what is, what is that joy that was set before him? Well, I believe it's, it's, a, it's the joy of Jesus knowing that he had accomplished his calling and finished his race. That was a joy that was set before him, knowing that he had done what he'd called to do. And now you bring joy to Jesus' heart this morning. That 2,000, roughly 2,000 years since this historic event that took place, and you know, there's, no, there's no serious historians that don't think this happened. Okay? They all accept that Jesus was a real person. I read recently even Richard Dawkins, finally, it's taken him a long time to get to this point, he finally accepts that Jesus was real. As he, was a real he doesn't believe he's the son of God, but he finally accepts that Jesus was a real historical person. He existed. He's finally got to that point. Okay, and there's never been any serious historians who've ever denied that reality. Okay? This is a real historic uh, event. But the joy set before him is, is knowing that 2,000 years later, here we would be today in church, saved. Because of what he had done. That's a joy that, that was set before him. That's why he could endure the cross. A joy of knowing he had run his race well. That he had accomplished the plan that God had for him. Of knowing what running his race had won for us. Amen. So when we, so when we talk about this as, as Christians, we're not, we're not glorying in the brutality of the cross. Kind of just watch that. But we're not glorifying the brutality of it. Because I think that's missing. I think that's, this is my opinion as a pastor. I think that's missing the point. To some extent, because it's all about what Jesus was doing there. We're doing glory in the pain of it all, and Jesus isn't still on the cross. Amen, right? If Jesus is still on the cross, if Jesus then died and that was the end and it was over, then kind of we're all in, we're all in trouble, really. He then rose again, amen, as we celebrate today on Easter Sunday. He rose again, and the power of sin and death was defeated once and for all. Amen. But this was the joy of knowing what rate, running his race well and finishing that race well, what that had won for us. Now, in this world that we live, there's a lot of talk of, this is kind of an evolutionary thought process, which a lot of the world believe, is, is that the world is just about survival of the fittest, survival of the strongest. This was like Charles Darwin's big, big thing, which has become very, very influential in our world. Kind of like, uh, kind of when he wrote it, 1830 or something, I think. Um, like, almost 200 years later, we are now. Um, this has become very ingrained in kind of the thinking of the world now. It's about survival of the fittest, it's about self, it's, it's about us, our, our existence in life. The, the reason we exist is to reproduce our own genes, that's pretty much it. I don't know what that means for people who can't reproduce. <laughs> Does that mean they've got no purpose for existing? But anyway, if you kind of think that through to its logical conclusion. But anyway, but the, so, you know, we exist to reproduce our own genes and, that, and that's pretty much it. And that's kind of where a lot of the world and society is at. But, but Jesus went well, be, well beyond that and said, no, I've got a completely different way. I read this quote uh, this week from a guy called... Uh, Glenn Scrivener, I think that's how you say it, and he's a really well-known Australian Christian apologist. And he said this, I loved what he said. He said, you know, the world, it kind of like works on the basis of survival of the strongest or survival of the fittest, you know, but the cross, it was not, it was not survival of the strongest, but it was sacrifice of, of the strongest for survival of the weakest. I thought it was great. You know, this is what, this is what Jesus was doing here. It's not about sac- this is not about survival of the fittest or survival of the strongest. 
you know, the, the strongest survive. Jesus' Jesus' point of view was, no, you're weak and you need salvation. You're, you're, stuck, you're stuck in your sin. You need, you need me to save you. So it's not survival of the strongest, but it's the sacrifice of the strongest, Jesus, for survival of the weakest. Amen. And this was a divine exchange of the cross. This is what was happening there on the cross. You know, we have received so many benefits because of the cross. Amen. And then we can live in those benefits 2,000 years later. Again, that brings joy to Jesus' heart this morning. Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 8, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we ha- in him we now have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the richness of God's grace that he lavished on us. Amen. So Paul here is talking about what Jesus won for us. And we've now been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Are you glad about that this morning? Every spiritual blessing in Christ, all that we've just, just, just seen and watched, that was all so worth it. Remember, for the joy that was set before him, finishing his race and winning this for us, winning us every spiritual blessing in Christ, for bringing us redemption. And the word redemption, is, it literally means paying off, paying off a debt. If you've ever, you ever paid off a mortgage, it's called a mortgage redemption statement. It's, it's that, that loan, that, that debt is, is paid off. This is what it's talking about here in redemption, that debt of sin, that weight of sin, that thing that held us back. Then Jesus paid the price. He's cleared it. It's, it's gone. It's over. Amen. So I'm going to look at just a, if you can put this slide up on screen, Google slide, if that's all right. Oh, it should come up one by one, but it hasn't done that. Okay. But we'll talk about them one by one. Okay. You know, so it's not survival of the strongest, but it's sacrifice of the strongest, Jesus, for the survival of the weakest, us, because we need a God. Amen. So I just want to look at just five different things quickly of where we are, where we were in our weakness, but what the strength of Jesus and who Jesus was, what is one for us. And there could be, there could be others. Okay, but these are five I'm looking at. Now, firstly, they should, they should have lined up as well. They don't line up. I did make it so they lined up. So in case you're wondering about my, my technical abilities, they did line up. I, they don't. I don't know. Computers, computers being weird. Blame computers, Dan. Anyway, so in our weakness, we were, the Bible says we were slaves to sin. Again, we had we that weight of sin, that, that, that debt of sin. That, that, we, that we were slaves to sin. It's not something we could do, we could get out of in our, in our own ability. It, it was a weight upon us. But through what Jesus has done on the cross, his strength, we now have complete and utter freedom from sin. I mean, Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. Amen. That, 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 that slavery to sin has gone once and for all. Amen. Sin is, sin is no longer our master. And sin, sin can be kind of a, like a bit of a big scary word if you've not heard that word before, but it just means anything we've ever done wrong. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all done things we wish we hadn't done. And what the Bible says is because God is holy and he's perfect, then anything we've ever done wrong would, would create a barrier between us and God because he's holy and he's righteous and, and he's perfect. So what Jesus did is dealt with that once and for all. So I know you're slaves to sin, but I'm going to give you total freedom. I'm going to pay that price. I'm going to take that sin, that weight of sin, that burden of sin, that, that debt of sin. I'm going to take it upon myself so you can be completely free. 
You know, if you're, if you're a believer this morning, if you're a Christian, call yourself a Christian this morning, you are totally free from sin. That's worth celebrating, amen? We are totally free from sin. Sin has no hold over you. It has no right to have any hold over you. Amen? amen. Praise God for that. We're, we're forgiven and made clean. The blood, the blood of Jesus washed us clean is what Scripture says. Secondly, we, we were unable to meet the demands of the law. So the law is what we what we'd call in the Old Testament of kind of like the different rules and regulations that there were. And you could not possibly meet those demands in your own strength. And this was the whole purpose of this was to point towards a need for Jesus and a need for, for a savior. You know, this is where, where, where Christianity, I'm not dissing other religions this morning, but it's just, just, this is the reality. Remember Jesus, said he's the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the father except through me. I know sometimes Christians get accused of being narrow minded. It was like, well, Jesus is the most narrow-minded person you're ever going to meet. <laughs> okay, but if you want to go down that road, I'm serious. Because Jesus is like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's like, you can think what you want to think, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, this is where you're going to find it. It's where you're going to find the way, the truth, and the life. It's through me. Okay, but, and this is what separates true Christianity from the other faiths because we're not trying to meet God's standards. We're not, we're not thinking, well, if we just try a bit harder, maybe God will love me. Maybe God will accept me. You know, loads of faiths all around the world, they've got, they've got no idea where they're going to heaven. They've got no idea whether God loves them. In fact, in Islam, they don't even, they don't even believe that Allah even loves them. That's not even part of their theology. They alone whether they're going to heaven, which they don't know either. Okay? So, so this is an issue for faiths across the world. This is where, where Jesus said that Christianity is just totally different. Remember, Christianity just means a follower of Christ, where it's totally different. Because what we're saying is we, we, we know we can't possibly meet God's standards. And, and being okay with that. So that's, that's, that's all right. That's okay because it's because of what Jesus did. We cannot meet the demands of the law. We could never possibly meet those standards. How could we, how could we a perfect holy creator who is righteous and perfect and holy, how could we ever meet those standards? We, we can't. And if in your life, if you're, if you're trying to meet those standards, my, my pastoral advice is to you this morning is to stop. And I'm serious. Stop, stop trying. Because you cannot possibly do it in your own strength. So what Jesus did for us is he gave us the gift of unmerited favor, or the word grace. That's what grace literally means, unmerited favor. So we, we now have the favor of God because of the cross, we have the favor of God in our lives. It's, not, it's, it's totally unearned. It's not something we've done. It's, it's, it's a free gift. You can read that about that in Ephesians 2, 9 and 10, where it talks about not, not boasting about, um, you know, about like you're such an amazing person in Christ. It's all about what Jesus has done. Amen. It is a gift of God. It's, it's a free gift of grace. You glad about that this morning? Amen. Amen. Thirdly, there was a barrier to God. There, there, there was a barrier to God. This was, this was where we were in our, in our weakness. We, because we could not meet God's standard, we, you know, in the Old Testament, they couldn't even be in, in, the, in the full manifest presence of God. It literally would kill them. That's what the Bible says. So even the high priests sometimes would die when they went into the presence of God because of just the holiness and the righteousness of God. So there was a barrier between us and God. You know, and then the Bible says, and we didn't look at that scripture this morning, but, um, but the Bible says what happened is when, at the time that Jesus was, Jesus was crucified, the curtain in the temple, the kind of like the barrier between uh, kind of like everyday people and the presence of God, that curtain was, was ripped down once and for all. Can you imagine like this huge curtain, like these red curtains there, they were just like there being a barrier between us, so the presence of God is behind those curtains, and you couldn't possibly enter it. Even some of the high priests didn't dare enter or died when they did enter that curtain was ripped down and torn down once and for all. And then that barrier between us and God. So once where there was a barrier, we're now a child of God. Amen. And then we now we're brought into the family of God because of what he did for us. On the cross, we now have free access, access to the Father. Fourthly, we, we were lost sheep. 
I'm not being derogatory about anyone this morning, <laughs> calling you a sheep. Okay? But the Bible often uses the, the analogy, of, analogy of sheep. And when, when Jesus talked about this, this is something that would have been very understood at the time. They had lived in a very agricultural uh, kind of society. And, and often talks about the, the lost sheep of Israel, or like, describes Israel as being like sheep without a shepherd. And kind of, we, we were kind of lost sheep just kind of going their own way. If you know anything about sheep in the natural, I'm no expert, but I've read a few things, okay? But anything about sheep, they have to be led or they, or they have to be driven. Sheep are quite, kind of, quite social animals, but they'll just kind of like just follow each other anywhere. And that's why we have sheepdogs, and that's why the farmers need sheepdogs and things like that, because that helps, that helps them to, to drive them and to get them where they need to be. So sheep need to be led. So it says that the Bible says that we were like lost sheep, just kind of like wandering around. This is where the society is and the way the world is. It's just wandering all over the place, trying to find something they can kind of just pin their, pin their hope on, especially in this crazy world that we're right in, in right now. Just, just trying to find hope and peace and, and, and joy and love somewhere. But where you're going to find is in Jesus. So we, where, we weren't, where we once were lost sheep, we're now led by the shepherd. Amen? In Psalm 23, uh, David writes this, and he, of course, he was a shepherd and was writing that in that context. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want me. Leaves me in green pastures. Amen. Praise God. And, to, and just fifthly, and I said, as I said, there could have been others we could have looked at. One weakness we had was our carnal nature. And the word carnal just means our kind of our selfish nature. Our nature, which was just about living for ourselves and, and or living selfish lives. I think it's all, it's all about us. It's all, you know, and... You know, it doesn't go down a good road when you, when you start living that way, I think when you just live for self. And that was our weakness. But Jesus' strength, what he did through the cross, is he now made us a brand new creation. Amen. Amen. And we now have God's nature within us. Amen. And that's a continuing thing that outworks in, in our life. And it's a fruit of the Spirit and of love, joy, peace, patience, and all the others. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That they outwork in our lives. That we now have the nature of God within us. And that goes back to the very first one. That we were slaves to sin. We, we did have a sinful nature. But that nature has been dealt with once and for all. Amen. That nature was nailed to the cross. Jesus paid a massive price for us. Amen. You know we can live in those, in those blessings. That's what's so exciting. That we can live in these blessings. It's not just sometimes it's kind of well this is nice theology. No we can live in this each and every day. We can live knowing we're completely free from sin. We can live knowing that we're under grace. We're not having to try and meet the demands of the law. We're not trying to make God accept us or, or, or love us a bit more. That we can live as, as children of God. We're now in God's family. That we can live led by the shepherd in, in green pastures. Amen. And we, we can live knowing that we're a brand new creation. That God's nature is now within us. We're not subject to sinful nature or anything from our past. Are you glad about that this morning? Amen. And that's the reality. Let's be people that always live um, in that reality amen let's never ever go back let's never misunderstand what the cross is all about or 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 just you know go back to the bit of being in our weakness or start thinking or start thinking that we're weak thinking that we're kind of in the left column not in the right column you know jesus paid a monumental price so you could be on all that stuff on the right hand side amen paid a huge huge price for you praise god we're going to take communion. Uh, communion. I know time's going quick. But we're going to take communion um, in a second. So I just want everyone just to if you just close your eyes. I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the reality of the cross as your resurrection when you beat the power of sin and death and and came back to life. Lord, we thank you for that. 
Lord Jesus. And we thank you for what you won for us on the cross. We thank you for that divine exchange that took place. We thank you that you ran your race well, Lord, for us. You stayed focused. You didn't get distracted. Lord, you wanted to do that for us. And for the joy set before him, before you, you endured the cross. We thank you for that. Thank you for what you've won for us. That freedom from sin and great, and we now live in grace. And we're now your children. We're now led by you as a shepherd. We're now brand new creations. We thank you for that reality. Lord, may we always live in that, Lord God. Lord, change our thinking or may we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Change our thinking if our thinking's gone off track. Lord, may we always live in the reality of what you've done for us. Praise you, Jesus. I just want to give just, I just want to just pray a second prayer. And I just want to give anyone an opportunity. If you don't yet know God, then you can know God this morning. You can know the reality of what it is that Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. Because even back then, he, he, he knew you. And then it can seem a bit strange. You think, well, how is that possible? But the, the Bible says that God is, is, God, is omniscient. It means he, he knows everything. It says, the Bible says that even when you were put together in your mother's womb, even at that stage, that God already knew you. And he died on a cross, and he took your, your sin on that cross with him because of his love for you. And he would love to come into your life. And for you to know that reality, so you can know freedom in your life. You can live under grace. You can know what it is to be a child of God. You can know the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth and being in God's presence forever. You can know that this morning. All you've got to say is, God, that's what I want. Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross for me. I invite you into my life. Or maybe you've just gone off track and maybe you've just kind of, uh, kind of you know, wandered off under a different track. And you're not currently following. You, you, you are a Christian or you call yourself a Christian or call yourself a believer, but you've gone off track. And you just need to get yourself back on track this morning. I'd encourage you to pray this prayer as well and to get things, just do some business with God this morning. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross so that I could have life and life to the full, so that I could be free from sin, so that I could live in your grace, so that I could be your child, so I could be led by you as a shepherd, so I could be a brand new creation. I invite you now into my life. I ask you to forgive me and to make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your eyes closed. This is a moment to do business with God. And if you've prayed that prayer, if you've just prayed that prayer and you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, you're saying, I want God in my life. I want Jesus in my life. I want to accept the reality of what he did on the cross for me. I just want you just to raise your hand so I can see it and no one else is looking except me because we'd love to chat with you and pray with you after is anyone this morning don't miss your opportunity thank you you can put your hand down thank you anyone else this morning praise you God thank you Jesus thank you for the reality of the cross thank you Jesus so we're going to take communion communion now Jesus said to do this do this in remembrance of him amen so, so we're going to do that and once, once it's come round, um, then we'll all, we're all take it together. So um, and whilst we're doing that, there's going to be a song that's going to play um, on screen. So just let that just minister into your heart. As you, as you just think about, about what Jesus has won for you. Those five things that we've, we've talked about, uh, freedom and grace and etc. that he's won for us. Just let this song minister to you and then we'll all take communion together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all just take communion together. If you peel off the top... I know they're a little bit fiddly, but peel off the top plastic layers and a wafer underneath. You know, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of him. So this, this, this bread, this wafer, it represents his body that was broken, was broken 
for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your body was broken for us so that we could be whole, that we could be restored, so we could be redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. If you peel off a bit underneath, you better grab, get the, the grape juice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So again, Jesus said, do this in remembrance. Remembrance of him, this great piece who represents his blood that was, that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, we thank you for the new covenant we have. Of the, old te- the old covenant of the law that we could never possibly meet that standard. Lord, we now live under the new covenant of grace. Lord, we thank you for that reality. Lord, we thank you our sins have been washed clean. Lord, we've been made new. We've been made holy and righteous in your sight. And it's all because of your blood. Thank you for that divine exchange. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, and may Jesus, may we always live in that reality. Lord, we don't want to ever have old thinking. We don't want to try and live under an old covenant. Lord, we want to, Lord you paid a monumental price for us. We want to live in that new covenant of what you did for us each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we now live in, the grace that we now have. Praise you, God. Thank you. We're a new creation. You're a wonderful, wonderful God. Thank you that you can say it is finished. Lord, you finished your race for us. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. 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 God is so good.